Hey, good morning, y'all. I'm so glad to see you. Thanks for being here. I love me some bass. I like that new bumper. <laughs> so I'm glad you're here. Just a quick heads up. We have uh, Lord's Supper we're going to be celebrating at the conclusion of the sermon. Uh, so if you want to participate with us in that, we'll give some instructions uh, here in a little bit. But we are in this brand new series uh, called 10 Words to Live By. And, uh, you know, one of the things Jake mentioned is we have a Bible reading plan that kind of goes along with the series and the book content. We do have another shipment of books. Uh, if you'd like to grab one afterwards, uh, five bucks a piece just to help cover part of the cost of that. We've been selling out every single week. So if y'all want to grab a copy, I would encourage you to do that and read along with us through the series. Uh, we do also have uh, men's and women's Bible studies starting up in about a week and a half. Uh, women will be meeting on Wednesday nights at 6.30 p.m. beginning on the 16th. And then men uh, will be meeting bright and early, 6 a.m. Anybody, any takers uh, starting on the 17th? Uh, love it. I got to get prepared because there were some early mornings and some long days, but I love it. So we'll be starting those in a little bit. If you're looking for a way to get connected, uh, our men's and women's Bible studies are a great way. All right. Uh, so next week we'll be jumping into word number one, commandment number one, but this week is more introductory, all right? So we are starting today with a sermon called Remember to Delight. Remember to Delight. So let me ask you a question. We're, we're talking about the Ten Commandments, very historic uh, part of the Christian faith. Uh, when I say the words, the Ten Commandments, what comes to your mind? What comes to your mind? For some of you, depending on your age, Maybe you remember an old movie from, what, the 50s, uh, The Ten Commandments, starring uh, Charlton Heston. Uh, I proposed this on Friday night to our family for family movie nights. I had no takers, all right? Um, but maybe you think of that. Maybe you think of the, uh, the stone tablets that we often associate, you know, with an image like that, uh, with the commandments on them. Uh, maybe, you, maybe you think of uh, the public discourse around having them displayed in, you know, uh, in courts or in schools or in public places. Maybe your mind goes there. Maybe your mind just goes to those three words that came across the screen a moment ago, thou shalt not. Maybe that's what you think of, which by the way, if you, if you well, I don't know, I, I hesitate to ever say Google something because you never know what's going to come up. Um, but there's all kinds of memes and, you know, coffee mug material using the phrase thou shalt not. So let me give you just a few examples as we kick off this series. Uh, one for baseball fans, thou shalt not steal. I like, kind of like this application of it. I've been watching a lot of baseball lately. Um, this is one that's common for mamas, apparently. Uh, this is everywhere. Thou, thou shalt not try me. Um, from the book of Mom 24-7. All right. Thou shalt not try me. Um, this one, I think, is very appropriate for the, the internet. The first rule of the internet is thou shalt not read the comments. If y'all ever gone down the terrible wormhole of the comment section, don't do it. Resist. Uh, here's one that was found in a church, presumably in 2020. Thou shalt not steal again. I thought that's a good work. Clever. Good job, church. And on a related note, probably my favorite one, thou shalt not poop in the camper. Um, we might need to get that for our little teardrop. Uh, so you see them all over. There's a lot of opinions and a lot of thoughts when you start to talk about the Ten Commandments. Some people would see them as the end-all, be-all of, you know, spiritual life. Like, if I just do obey all the Ten Commandments, man, it'll be good. I'll, I'll get to, to, to heaven if I do these things. It's the end-all, be-all. Some are on that extreme uh, end of the spectrum. Some would say, well, uh, those are Old Testament. Those are old school. Those don't apply 
die anymore, and, and, and anywhere in between, there's different opinions about the Ten Commandments. So let me ask you another question. How do you feel when someone gives you a command, when someone tries to command you to do something? Um, I, I was just thinking of a story um, from our D-Now weekend and some folks in the room may know who I'm talking about. There was one of our kids, one of our kiddos. Uh, I was coming out of this room. Uh, I was doing what Isaac was doing this morning. I was dragging some chairs out of this room, and you know, I'm, I'm doing some work, and there's one of our, our children uh, makes this statement to me. Uh, the child says this, would you, would you move out of my way? <laughs> it wasn't a question. It was more a command, right? Y'all know what my response was in that moment? Your saintly pastor. Uh, I was like, excuse me? <laughs> I think you're in my way. Why don't you move out of my way? You know, I think that's our natural, uh, our natural response when we feel like some, someone's trying to command us to do something, right? It's resistance. Well, I've got a different word for you today. It's the word of the day. The word is delight. Delight. We want to delight in God's word and his laws. Uh, there, there's this book that we're going through called 10 Words to Live By. And actually the tagline of that book is delighting in and doing what God commands. Delighting in and doing what God commands. Uh, you know, I think most people could look at, uh, even if you aren't familiar with the Ten Commandments, I think you could probably, most people would look at and read through the Ten Commandments and go, mm, these are reasonable, they're fair, some of them like, even are good, I, I could and can do these or I should do these things. But delight, like delight is a whole, nother, a whole nother thought, right? I delight in ice cream and I delight in vacation and beach time and sunshine and all that stuff. But like to delight in God's word, yeah, that's what we're talking about today. To delight in his word. Uh, I always remember one of my pastor, uh, pastors years ago, he would always make this statement. He would say, uh, they're called the Ten Commandments, not the Ten Suggestions. And I was like, ah, oh, all right. I can get down with that. I like that. I agree with that. Um, I, I do think we, we, we don't want to skip over uh, the idea that God's commands uh, are meant to be obeyed, right? We're meant to follow them, that God does call us to do what he says. But if, if we see his commands as a burden rather than a delight, uh, we'll do one of two things. One, I think we'll probably not really follow them. Or number two, which may be more dangerous, we'll follow them with a hollow, empty heart. You know what I'm talking about? We'll just, we'll do it. We'll go through the motions because it's the right thing to do, but we, our heart isn't in it. And so delight is, is what we're talking about today. Um, is, it, this is my hope, is that over these next 10 weeks, so 10 weeks after today, we'll be looking at each of the 10 commandments. My hope is that through maybe your personal reading uh, in the book and in the Bible uh, as we preach and gather on Sundays, uh, maybe if you're in a group uh, reflecting in a small group, or, you know, a Bible study or a community group or a discipleship group or just reading through the book, reflecting on your own, my hope is that over the next 10 weeks that we will delight or begin to delight in following God's laws. And so I want to ask you all to, if you have a Bible with you, grab it, open up to 1 John chapter 5. Uh, and whether you have one or not, would you stand with me? We're going to read the scripture together this morning. Uh, we do this uh, to honor the Lord. We believe this is God's word. It is truth. It is life. And it's his revelation of himself to us. He reveals himself to us through the scriptures. And so we're going to read this uh, this morning. We're only, only going to read one verse, all right? 1 John chapter 5, verse number 3. 
For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. This is the word of the Lord. And so God, this morning, thank you for giving us your word. Thank you that you are the same God. Old Testament, New Testament, all time, you are the same God, your commandments, what you have called us to do, what you've called us to obey, God, it's not, it's not a burden. It's not something to dread. God, it, it ought to be. We want it to be a delight because you are good and you've always been good and you will continue. You will never cease to be good. And your commands, your laws, your rules, all of those things are given for our good and for your glory. And so, God, I pray that um, this morning, whether we've known the Ten Commandments for years or decades, all of our life, or maybe, God, we've, we're not even familiar with what they are, God, wherever we're at this morning, God, I pray that you would do a work in us, that you would help us to have a fresh look at your truth, uh, Lord, that our, our our minds and our hearts would be open to receive whatever it is that you want to say to us. God, that you, are, you would change our hearts where our hearts need to be changed. Um, God, that you would help us ultimately to delight in who you are, all that you've done, and all that you've instructed us to do. So God, would you meet with us this morning, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Why don't you all have a seat? Thank you for standing with me. So that verse is, is introductory. Really, everything that we're talking about this morning uh, is introductory to what we'll see in the Ten Commandments, the Ten Words, over the next ten weeks. So a few thoughts this morning, three of them to be precise. Here's number one. The law of God is life-giving. The law of God is life-giving. So let me start at the beginning. Where did the Ten Commandments even come from? Well, if you were to, to you know, flip back in your Bible to the second book in the Old Testament, the book of Exodus, what you find is God's people are, are in bondage and slavery and hard labor in Egypt, and yet God delivers them through a, a deliverer named Moses, who we, we sang about even this morning. God delivers them, and God is bringing them out of, of bondage into the promised land. And in this journey, in the wilderness, God gives them uh, these Ten Commandments. They are to serve the people well, to, to help them to know how to live and, and, and uh, relate to one another and relate to this God who has rescued them. And so these Ten Commandments, it's what the Torah, which is the five books of Moses, the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, the five books uh, of the law, um, it's what... The, the Torah and all the rabbis call the Ten Words, what we call the Ten Commandments. And so God gives these Ten Commandments to, to Moses uh, on the top of Mount Sinai. He writes them uh, on these two tablets of stone uh, to communicate to the people. And we see the Ten Commandments twice in Scripture. We see them once in Exodus chapter 20, and then we see them again in Deuteronomy chapter 5. That word Deuteronomy literally means second law. So it's the second giving of, of, of the law, the commandments. It's this whole new generation of God's people, of these Israelites who are getting ready to enter into the promised land. And so God, who originally gave it to their fathers, is saying, okay, let me, let me give these to you again. Let me remind you of what these are about. And he gives them this instruction in, in Deuteronomy chapter 5. Uh, let me read you this quote from Kevin DeYoung. He says this, From the outset of Israel's formal existence as a nation, the Ten Commandments had a special place in establishing the rules for their life together. 
And so they're this, this really, this, they have this new identity as they've been extracted out of slavery and they're in the wilderness. God has, has formed them as his people and he's giving them instructions to, to live together. Uh, and so Deuteronomy chapter five, let me actually read a verse, a passage here. This is where Moses gives the, the law to them the second time and he gives them, he follows up with these instructions in Deuteronomy 5, 32 and 33. Moses says, you shall be, be careful therefore to do as the Lord your God has commanded you. You shall not turn aside to the right hand or to the left. You shall walk in all the way that the Lord your God has commanded you. So he wants, he's looking for obedience, right? He's given you these commands, but why? He says this, that you may live and that it may go well with you, that you may live long in the land that you shall possess. So the reason God has given these laws is to, to serve them well, to help them to relate to God and, and to one another, to, to bless them so they would experience life and long life. This is why God has given these commands. So the question is, well, what about now? What about now? We live in a different time and a place. We're not the nation of Israel. So what do we do with this Old Testament law? That is, that is the question. Well, a couple of thoughts that I want to share with you this morning. First is this, that the law is good. The law is good. Romans 7, Paul says some incredible things that we don't have time to dig into this morning. But in Romans 7, he's talking about our relationship to the law and law and grace. And in Romans 7, verse 12, he has this conclusion about the law. So the law is holy. The commandment is holy and righteous and good. What you see in the midst of this, this, uh, this passage in Romans 7 is is Paul says, man, the law is good. The law is good because it reveals my sinfulness to me. It reveals that I'm a sinner. And one of the ways this, this plays out, like he says, he quotes the 10th commandment, thou shalt not covet, okay, you shall not covet. And he says, I wouldn't have known that that was a sin unless the law told me it was. So here, here's an example. If, if, if your mama tells you, hey, you can't have cookies, what do you tend to think about? I want Cookies, right? I almost went into a cookie monster weird thing there. I resisted. Uh, if I were to put a big old like red button on the platform and then put a sign on it that says, do not push this button, what would everybody in the room want to do? Let me push the button, right? I want to do that. It reveals the law, rules. It reveals our sinfulness that, man, we, we just want to sin. And so this is what Romans 7 says. He says the law is holy. It's, the commandment is holy and righteous and good. It reveals our sin. Following the law itself doesn't produce life but it points us to the one who, who does and who can produce life in us. Paul would go on in a different place in Galatians 3, 24 and say that, that the law was like a schoolmaster, a tutor, a guardian leading us to Christ. He says in verse 10 of Galatians 3, for all who rely on works of the law are under a curse. So let me pause for a second here. Theoretically, theoretically, it is possible for us to earn eternal life if we were perfectly obedient to the law. In other words, if, if all of the law, which by the way, in the Old Testament, anybody happen to know the number of laws in the Old Testament? 613. All right, a lot, a lot, a lot of laws. So 
what the scriptures tell us here. Uh, it, it says, for all who rely on works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. So if we were theoretically, if we could obey every single one of the, law, the laws, every one of God's laws, we could, we could achieve or earn eternal life. But you all know how long it takes for us to break even one of them. Like, not long, right? There was only one person, only one human, one man who could do that. It was the Lord Jesus Christ who could live perfectly obedient to the law that we could not do. And here's what it says. He says, it says, all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. If you can't fulfill every single one of them, you're under the curse. But then he says something else. This is incredible. This is the, the truth of the gospel right here in verse number 13. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. How? By becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. And so Jesus was able to perfectly fulfill the law. He was able to be perfectly obedient to it. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 21, it says this, For our sake he made him, made Christ to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So Christ didn't come to do away with the law. He came to, he says in Matthew, to fulfill it. So he was able to live perfectly obedient to the law, and he was able to substitute himself for us and become a curse for us in our place on the cross. So the law is good. It leads us to this lawgiver, this life giver. The law is good, but on the other hand, lawlessness is bad. Lawlessness is bad. And here's what 1 John 3 verse 4 says. It says that everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. So you might be here this morning and say, well, what, what is sin? What does that even mean? Sin is, is to reject the law. It's to reject God's word. It's to reject God's commands, God's ways. It's to say, I'm, I hear you, but I'm going a different way. That is sin. It's lawlessness. So let me, let me give you an example, uh, that I, an illustration that I've heard. I've heard that laws, like God's law, um, it, it, it's like uh, it helps put in boundaries and order. Like imagine driving, if you were to go out and drive and there's no, no rules of the road. Okay, imagine this. I have a 16-year-old son, Ridge, who is, is learning all the, you know, the fun, you know, he's the student driver. We've got the old magnet that says, hey, please be patient, student driver. We haven't used that yet, but, but you know what I'm talking about. There's all these rules. Imagine if you went on the road Imagine your last 16-year-old get his license and just drive on the road with no rules of the road. Be mass chaos, right? We need those laws. So uh, let me tell you a story. Back in 2016, uh, I made a trip to visit some missionary friends in uh, the Philippines. And I love the Philippines, but the, 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 the being on the road made me a little bit nervous. So I'm going to show you a couple of video clips uh, of me as a passenger. Uh, go ahead and Put that up on the screen. Uh, so the, this is where the, the rules of the road, the, the lines, all that stuff, they're more suggestions. You know what I'm talking about, like we talked about earlier. Um, it's just kind of go as you, as you please. Uh, we got one more here I just want to show you. Um, it's a little bit nerve-wracking. Uh, you'll see here in a second we kind of get caught up in traffic, but you know who cares about that middle line? Uh, we, there's some order here because we're kind of stuck. Stopped here for a second. You see panhandling and all that stuff going on. Uh, here we go. 
here's some scenery. We're making our way along here. Um, you'll see in a second, we get kind of tired. You see all those bikes going around. Um, in a second, it's like, hey, I just want to get around these people. Sometimes I wish we could do this in the States, uh, but watch this here in a second. Uh, here it comes. Okay, like right, right around. Just get around, go wherever you want, just make your way. Uh, it was a pretty exhilarating experience. Um, fun, thrilling. I wondered if I was going to lose my life in the Philippines. Um, but this is what the rules of the road are for, right? For order, and it, it helps us to relate to uh, our neighbor well. Um, and so the law of God is life-giving. It is for our good, and lawlessness is bad. And so that's the first thought. The law of God is life-giving. Here's, here's a second I thought I had this morning is the law of God is about love. The law of God is about love. So when we think about the law, when we think about commandments, we don't typically relate it to this idea of love. But the law of God is all about love. So again, let me, let me kind of backtrack a little bit here. Let me go back to the Old Testament. 613 laws, I told you, are, are given in the Old Testament. There's really three kind of broad categories of, of laws that were given, three types. You had ceremonial laws that had to do with kind of the sacrificial system, being right with God. So there was uh, ceremonial things. There were, there were festivals and feasts for the people. There were food and clothing, uh, like dietary and clothing restrictions that made the people of God distinct from the, their pagan neighbors and the pagan nations. So you had these ceremonial laws. You also had civil or judicial laws that had to do with that culture and that place. Uh, you also had moral laws, right, that had to do with justice and, and judgment. It, it, they, these kind of laws reflected God's holy nature. So you had these ceremonial laws, civil or judicial laws. You had moral laws. Now, today, uh, here's what you'll see very commonly today because uh, people outside of church, people outside of relationship with God uh, don't always agree with some of the positions that the church, uh, the, the stances that the church would make based on what the scriptures say. And so often what you'll see is people will reach back into the Old Testament and, and they will criticize the church because they'll say something like this. Well, the Old Testament says that you're required to wear, you cannot wear clothing of different fabric blends, right? That's a law in the Old Testament. And you throw that out. So why wouldn't we throw out what the, the Old Testament says about homosexuality, for example? We throw, we throw the thing about fabrics out. We don't do that. We don't follow the same dietary restrictions. We throw that out. So we can throw it all out, right? So that's one of the things that we'll see. But that kind of statement uh, doesn't differentiate between ceremonial laws, civil laws, and moral laws. Moral laws that are, are a reflection, again, of God's nature that are like God's character and nature. They're unchanging. So, so there are some who would say, we know Old Testament, we're not bound to, to we're, not, we're not living under the Old Testament law anymore. Uh, we're under no obligation to follow uh, anything in the Old Testament. In fact, some preachers would even say this. Can I, can I share a quote with you? Uh, Pastor Andy Stanley in Atlanta, Georgia, Georgia has made this statement in a book. Uh, the Ten Commandments have no authority over you. None. To be clear... In case it wasn't clear, so sometimes I, I worry about pulling something out of context. His words, to be clear, thou shalt not obey the Ten Commandments. 
Yikes, there's some trouble, that's a troublesome thought there. We're not obligated to follow that. Why? Because it's in the Old Testament. Well, so I understand in a sense, we are not bound to the Old Testament law. We live in, under, under grace now. I, I get that. And yet, when you look at the Ten Commandments, and we'll see this over the next ten weeks, nine out of the Ten Commandments are clearly, clearly repeated and emphasized in the New Testament. Why? Because they are moral laws that don't change with the time and the place and the generation. Nine out of ten of them. So the New Testament uh, tells us to obey. The New Testament tells us to obey these things. Uh, We sang it earlier, and I love that we sang this. God is the same God. He, he, wasn't, he wasn't a grumpy, uh, angry old God in the Old Testament, like grumpy old man. And now in the New Testament, he's just grace and love and no judgment whatsoever. No, he's always been a good God. He was all about grace and love and mercy and justice. He is the same God. He was then as he is now. He is the same God. And we are bound to the law. Not the Old Testament law. We are bound to what Galatians 6.2 calls the law of Christ. Here's what Jesus himself says in Matthew 22. He has a Pharisee, a lawyer, who is asking him a question not because he's curious, not because he wants to learn. He's trying to trap Jesus. And so he asks him this question. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? You know, there's 613. Jesus, let's see. What are you going to say? What's the greatest commandment of all of them? He's trying to trap him. Here's what Jesus says. He said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love the Lord your God, love your neighbor. On these two commandments depend all the laws, all the law and the prophets. So Jesus boils it down to these two. Love God, love your neighbor. He says all of the commandments, all the law and all of the prophets hang on these two commandments. And so, so let me give you kind of a graphic to help kind of uh, help you understand this. So 613 laws in the Old Testament, those 613 really could be summed up in the 10 words, the 10 commandments, which now Jesus has said essentially can be summed up in these two commands. What are they? Love God, love others. Love God, love others. And so here, here is even another picture I just want to share with you. If you were to, to break, and some of you all know this and understand this already, uh, that these two commandments uh, sum up all, all ten words. One through four has to do with our relationship with God. Love God. Uh, commandments or words numbers five through ten, they say love others. They all have to do with our relationship with our neighbor. And so All of the law and all the prophets hang on these two commandments. Love God, love your neighbor. And so think about that previous quote for a second, all right? Thou shalt not obey the Ten Commandments. You know what that really means? Thou shalt not obey Jesus. Because Jesus emphasizes this. These are moral laws that are un changing. And so we don't, have, we don't have any room to say, well, let's throw that out because it's Old Testament. We live under grace. No, Jesus himself emphasizes these very things because they were important then, they're important now. And that's the whole point of this series is to understand in a fresh way what these Ten Commandments 
are all about. Romans 13, I want to take you here. Such an important word from the Apostle Paul. He says in Romans 13, verse 8 through 10, and he's coming off of this, the first seven verses of, of Romans 13. He's talking about being uh, submissive or in submission to governing authorities. So under the, 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 the rulers of our, our nation, he says, pay your taxes as one thing, he says. And then he goes into verse number eight. Owe no one anything except to love each other. For the one who loves another has what? Fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and any other commandment are summed up in this world. So, uh, in this word, I want to pause here for a second. I love, I just, just one of these things that I, I love. So, all the Bible is inspired by God. It's God breathed. God used uh, human authors. So through his Holy Spirit, he speaks through humans. But I love how you see the humanity of Paul in this moment. Because Paul, who's like super Christian, right? Greatest Christian of all time in, in our minds. And, and here he is. He's like, okay, let me, let me go back and quote the commandments. And he kind of like is jumping all over the place. He doesn't go in order. He's like, the one about adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, um, and any of the other ones I left out, right? This is the, like the humanity of Paul here. All those commandments, the, and he's referring to those, those last six commandments. He says, that was supposed to be humorous. Apparently it wasn't. <laughs> Bible nerd, it was funny to me, all right? Had to share it. Um, Here's what he says. Um, all these commandments, any other commandment, are summed up in this word, this one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the what? Fulfilling of the law. So, following the law of God. To follow the law of God is to love God and to love your neighbor. The law is the law of God is all about love. It was then, it is now. The law of God is about love. So let me make a little side note here. Uh, side note, we reject legalism, but we don't reject the law. We reject legalism, but we don't reject the law. How many of you all know what the word legalism means? It's kind of a churchy term. Uh, a handful of you do. If you do, it's because you've probably been in a church that practices legalism. All right? That doesn't mean, hey, we, we don't pay attention to the law. That's not what it means. Legalism is this, this idea. This, it's, it's what the, the Pharisees in the New Testament practiced, what the religious leaders practiced. It, it, it's this ex, external righteousness that is seeking to incur the favor of God. All right, so for, for Pharisees, it was, man, they were going to pay attention to the letter of the law. They were going to be obedient to all of that, whether their heart was in it or not. It was an external righteousness. And we see this. Maybe you've been in a church like this. You didn't know what to call it. Uh, but legalism in the church is this idea that, man, we have to look a certain way or dress a certain way or speak a certain way if God is ever going to accept us, if the, if the church is going to accept us, but ultimately if God is going to accept us. All right, so I've, I've been in churches like that where it was like, okay, I had to wear, uh, you know, a, a suit and tie or my hair couldn't extend past my collar. Um, I couldn't go see movies. Very, it's a legalistic way of living. If you do any of these things, you're in sin. You're, you must not be a child of God if you do these things. Ugh. 
It's an exhausting way to live. We wholeheartedly as a church reject that kind of life. We reject legalism. You don't have to perform for God to love you. This is what grace is all about. He is, he is the one who has been perfectly obedient because we never could be. And so we receive his grace. We reject legalism, but we don't reject the law. We don't reject the law. We don't say, well, we're not going to do anything. We're not going to follow his stuff because we don't want to be seen as, you know, sticking to everything that he says. No, we don't reject the law because the law is good. Legalism is, is bad. Legalism really is about loving yourself. It's really about trying to perform in a way that you earn the favor of God. I do this to earn God's favor. And we say, absolutely not. We reject that, but we don't reject the law. I want to quote a guy named Ray Ortland Jr., one of my favorite preachers. Uh, he is an older guy. He's not an old dead guy. He's still alive and preaching. Uh, I listened to him preach this message in uh, July, and he said this. I love how he put this. He says, God's law tells us to behave better. God's grace doesn't just tell us to behave better. God's grace makes us better. Can I get an amen on that? That's, a, that's an incredible statement. He doesn't just say behave better. He makes us better. And he goes on to say, is effort involved? Yes. Is earning involved? No. It's all of grace. It, it, y'all, you understand this. It takes effort to be obedient, to follow what God says, uh, to do as he asks us. But there's, it requires effort, but there's no earning involved. We're not trying to earn the love or the favor of God. We have that if we have Christ. Y'all understand that? We have it in Christ. So is effort involved? Yes. Is earning involved? No. It's all of grace. And as Jen Wilkins Jen Wilkin says in the book, she says, law and grace, they're not enemies. They're actually, they're friends. Uh, I love the statement. She says, rules, rules enable relationship. In other words, God's rules help us to live in relationship. They help us to live at peace with God and others. And so second point is this. The law of God is about love. The law of God is about love. Here's the third and final thought. And this is more like application for us this morning. The law of God must become our delight. The law of God must become our delight. If, if we're going to experience the rich, full life that God has intended for us, we must see his law and his commands, not as dread, but as delight. Y'all with me on that? We've got to understand and, and find delight in his word and following what he says. Psalm 1, Jake a few weeks ago brought us here as we were in the book of Psalms. He, he read through this and I said, man, we're going to go back here. Psalm 1, verses 1 through 3. It talks about the one who is blessed or, or happy. It says in verse 1, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. No, verse 2, but his delight, his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. He's always thinking about it. He finds delight. This is the man who will be blessed, it says. Verse number three, he's like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. And all that he does, he prospers. I love the imagery of this tree that's, that's planted. It's rooted. It's grounded. 
Because so often this is not who we are. We're, we're, we're up and down. But man, when we will find our delight in God's word and God's commands, when we will meditate on it and find delight in it, when following his word goes beyond, it goes deeper than mere obedience, but delight, this is when we will be blessed. This is when we rooted like a tree planted by streams of, of water. First John 5, 3, we read this in the beginning. This is the love of God, that we keep his, his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. Y'all, it's not a burden. It's not a burden to follow what God says. In fact, let me read you a quote from Charles Spurgeon, who is an old dead guy. He says this, There is nothing in the law of God that will rob you of happiness. It only denies you that which would cost you sorrow. Let me say it again. There is nothing in the law of God that will rob you of happiness. It only denies you that which would cost you sorrow. And so this morning, if you lack delight, if you think about the word of God and his commands to you and following what he says, if it feels more like a burden or a drudgery than a delight, man, would you ask God to change your heart? Would you ask God to make this a delight to your soul? Would you look to Jesus to do this? Psalm 40, verse 8. This is an incredible psalm. We, we talked about it a few weeks ago, but this is actually speaking of the greater David, of, of, of King Jesus, who perfectly fulfilled this psalm. It says, I delight to do your will, O oh my God. Your law is within my heart. Jesus is the one who perfectly fulfilled this. We don't have to be perfectly obedient in order to earn God's love. Jesus' perfect obedience has already done that. But we can strive and we can give effort towards obedience. We can view it as a joy, not a duty. Jen Wilkin in her book, let me read this one last quote to you. She says this, The ten words are encouraging words meant to give us hope. Hope that we will live rightly oriented to God and others. Hope that we will grow in holiness. They are not given to discourage, but to delight. They are no less than words of life. And so y'all, my goal, our goal in this series, it's, it's not to make you memorize the Ten Commandments. Although I hope you will. I hope you will, uh, you will um, commit them to memory as we go through them over the next ten weeks. That's not the goal of this series, though. The goal isn't even for you to obey the Ten Commandments, though I hope you will. All right? I hope you don't go out and murder. All right? uh, I hope you don't steal. I hope you don't do it. The goal isn't for mere obedience. The goal is that you and I would delight in obeying the Lord, that it would transcend, it would go deeper than mere obedience. Because let's be honest, so much of the Christian life and what we've heard and experienced is just duty. Do as you're told. But God wants so much more than that. He wants to go to the heart level. He wants us to delight in obeying him. And that is my hope for you. That is my hope for all of us. And so maybe even this morning, you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ. You've never surrendered or submitted your life to him. Can I just tell you this morning, and I know so many more in this room could tell you that you're never going to find true, lasting delight in anything else in this life. 
everything else will fall short. It will all fall short. And so this morning, man, there's an invitation from the Lord. Delight only comes from the lawgiver, who is the life giver. And so if you've never put your faith in Jesus, man, the invitation is open. We would love to talk with you, answer any questions that you may have, because we want you to find delight in the one who loves you, created you, and has called you to himself. Amen. Why don't you all stand with me? I want to ask Jake to come up here. He's going to lead us in worship as we celebrate the Lord's Supper together. Let me pray. God, thank you so much for your goodness and your grace and your mercy. Thank you for your 10 words to us. Thank you that we can orient our lives around your commands and your law. God, we can find delight in them. God, for some people in this room, they've never connected the idea of your commands and your law with delight, that we can actually find joy and peace and contentment and fulfillment in honoring you and listening to you and obeying you and following your word. And so God, I pray that you would, for many, many of us, that you would change our hearts. God, help us to get beyond mere memorization or obedience. God, to our hearts, that we would delight in who you are and all that you've done for us and all that you've called us to do. Just like we saw back in Deuteronomy 5, you've given us your word, you've given us your boundaries and your um, commands for our good, for our blessing, for our life. And so God, would you continue to change our hearts that we would delight in you and delight in your word. We love you. We continue to worship you this morning in Jesus' name.